Hello and welcome to the Transfer Window, the podcast which brings you the news before it becomes news. We also, of course, bring you insight and analysis into all the subjects you're talking about. And of course, Messi is the main agenda. I'm delighted to say that Duncan Castles has returned from his butterfly catching sojourn and uh, joins me back in the podcast towers today with regards to news. We will be speaking, obviously, about Messi. Um, We also have news on Manchester United, Manchester City. Uh, We also will be speaking about uh, Romelu Lukaku and Chelsea, Jack Grealish has moved to City and also what that means for other players at the Etihad. Uh, Southampton will also come into our thoughts and also what Messi's move potentially out of La Liga means for players like Kylian Mbappe who obviously wants to move into La Liga. Duncan, let's start with obviously the biggest story in football. And yes, I'm delighted that we uh, did bring you that news. I'd say, Duncan, that you can never predict in football that what that something is absolutely determined and that there's still, I think, a small possibility that Messi should Barcelona secure funding that uh, Graham Hunter talked about from CVC uh, investment partners who have taken 10% stake in La Liga, uh, that they may well yet be a twist in this saga. However, our information here uh, is that Paris Saint-Germain are in pole position with regards to securing Messi's signature uh, and offering him a contract of around 75 million euros gross over two years and then allowing him to leave for free and as we know he has an ambition to play in Major League Soccer in America and that would be something which he obviously would be attracted to. However, Manchester United are also put themselves in the frame. Uh, They don't believe right now that they are uh, as strong a candidate as PSG with regards to the player's signature. However, um, terms have been spoken about with Messi's uh, representatives with regards to a contract which would reach around 50 million euros gross in terms of salary and obviously there will also be agents fees to his father Jorge as well as um, the signing on fee and uh, salary which will be regarded uh, in terms of uh, Messi's obvious worth and value in world football but also of course the commercial revenue that having Messi on your team uh, can generate. Duncan, everyone says that this has been almost like an earthquake in football, that Messi would leave Barca because we all were told that he'd agreed verbally 
um, to stay at the camp now and then for a four paragraph statement to be released by FC Barcelona saying thank you and good night effectively uh, to the greatest player of the, you know, the club's history um, has come as a, a huge tremor around world football. Now, if you were, I know you're not, a betting man, would your money be on PSG or would you think that there are credible uh, alternatives for Messi? And indeed, um, you've got to think with regards to the player himself, what challenges there are are out there, uh, ones that he needs to meet his ambitions because, as we've discussed on several occasions on the podcast, um, Neymar has gone to PSG, stayed there, but effectively has 14 to 16 uh, important games per season because the French League until last year was a walkover um, and it was really all about the Champions League. I wonder if Manchester United might actually be a credible and more effective challenge for Leo Messi, the player, rather than it being about the money. I think the irony of this is one year ago, Lionel Messi wanted to leave Barcelona and had agreed to join Manchester City and had agreed a contract that would have been the richest in the history of the game, 700 million euros over five years. Um, part of that time to be spent in the Premier League, part of that time to be spent in Major League Soccer, all of it to be funded by City Football Group, by Abu Dhabi, um, take advantage of the ability to load money onto the MLS side of the contract where designated players are allowed to be paid as much as you like. Um, very different from the financial rules that have caused City various problems down the years of their Abu Dhabi ownership in England and, and in Europe. That only did not happen because Barcelona refused to let him go. Uh, the previous regime, Josep Maria Bartomeu, president, refused to be the person to sanction Messi's exit um, with presidential elections ahead in mind. And Messi making that um, emotional press conference where he um, explained that he did want to leave, but he wasn't prepared to take legal action against the club that uh, had been his entire footballing career, his entire life, um, in order to make that happen. Now, you, you go forward a year, and Messi had already verbally agreed um, a massive pay cut, um, or at least an immediate pay cut, uh, from Barcelona to reduce his wages by over 50% in order to help them adhere to La Liga salary cap rules. Um Jorge Messi's father was due in Barcelona yesterday and was in Barcelona yesterday to sign that contract, sign off in the contract with his son. And um, according to the account of the Barcelona president, Jean Laporta, who, who's given a press conference this morning to explain in detail why that decision was taken, the decision came from Laporta that Barcelona was bigger than one man and had to be bigger than one man that the finances of the club were such that they could not afford even to take Messi on in those reduced terms. 
he, he goes into a lot of detail um, as to just how dire the situation is, blames the previous regime, saying that the, uh, the audited accounts that the previous regime had put through were inaccurate and that the, their expectations of what the financial deficit they had to deal with when taking over were far worse than they'd calculated um, ahead of moving into the club. And, um, and, they, and therefore, they had to take a pragmatic decision Something actually we talked about a lot last year, um, whether the pragmatic decision for Barcelona, the correct decision would be to let Messi go to Manchester City at that time uh, because they couldn't afford him and because he was, uh, he only had a limited uh, amount of top level football left in him. That's what that pragmatic decision is the one Laporta said he has taken, blaming La Liga rules. Um, picking arguments with Javier Tabas over the, the CVC capital um, purchase of 10% of La Liga TV rights and uh, the 2.7 billion euros that would be paid to La Liga in return for those 10%, saying that uh, Barcelona, along with Real Madrid, were against that deal. They hadn't been informed of the details, that it wouldn't work even if they accepted it, a deal they didn't like. It wouldn't solve their problems. They still wouldn't be able to keep Messi on board. And therefore they'd had to tell Lionel and his father, um, we cannot do this deal. We know you have offers from other clubs. Um, we're going to have to allow you to leave and, and best of luck for the future. It's an extraordinary change. And it, and I think it it shifts the transfer market in a way we haven't seen before because the, this is a player that's been coveted by Paris Saint-Germain, obviously coveted by Manchester City. It's interesting that Manchester United are now exploring the possibility of taking him because he has become available unexpectedly when everyone had heard the messages from Barcelona and from Messi's camp. We are, he is going to stay with us and we're going to move heaven and earth to keep him at the club. We're going to shift as many players out as possible to make room in the wage bill so it, Messi was essentially taken off the agenda as a player you could sign and now with less than a month of the the window open he is available and looking for a club and and then it's interesting to see what decisions will be taken by these clubs it's interesting that Manchester United who have talked very much about their coherent strategy and the and the the planning that's gone into their transfers and they've been quick in doing deals they've got two important players and positions they needed to bring players in are saying, well, can we do something for Messi? PSG, I'm not so surprised that they, they're they pushing hard to do it. Manchester City, I believe you have some information on what their, their stance on the matter is at present. Well, yeah, absolutely, Duncan. I mean, <laughs> just listening to you speak about uh, Messi's situation, the sentence... Leo Messi, free agent, is one I think that none of us ever expected to be spoken of. Uh, but here we are in a situation where he is available to choose his next club and indeed his next contract, etc., etc., with regards to his future. Um, Manchester City, uh, we have reported con consistently um, their interest in Messi. However, 
on the basis that they had been informed that Messi would not be available, that indeed he would stay with Barcelona. They pursued Jack Grealish. Um, by no means, obviously, um, a like-for-like like, uh, player like Messi, uh, but certainly, obviously, a younger player with potential uh, to grow and develop with regards to um, his uh, career. And as we said uh, two or three weeks ago on the podcast, it's uh, an investment in English players that, C that City are determined to make and Harry Kane being the other, obviously. Um, City, we cannot discount with regards to interest in Messi because obviously they have had a long-standing um, involvement and indeed discussions with his father, Jorge, uh, and the, with regards to him joining Manchester City. And of course, um, as we reported uh, several times, uh, City Football Group and their um, interest uh, in New York City FC, uh, having uh, ownership there, it was a natural transition uh, for Messi once he decided that he didn't want to play in the Premier League anymore. So um, it would be um, something which I think City are looking at. Uh, I'm told that uh, City are at this moment standing back. Uh, they know of PSG's uh, interest and also their pole position, if you like, with regards to their financial offer to Messi and to his father in terms of commission um, and that Manchester United have registered their interest with Messi's representatives as well in terms of what they might be able to achieve um, with regards to salary but the money that's involved would be less than what Paris Saint-Germain are currently offering City, on the other hand, of course, have the backing of nation state funding from Abu Dhabi. And therefore, if they really wanted to make it happen, then they can. And Messi himself, uh, as a commercial entity, is a player who obviously will negate some of his uh, financial uh, investment in terms of his salary with regards to what a club can make back. Um, uh, and that's something which City will look at with regards to um, whether or not they decide to get involved in this particular auction. My information from this the, the messy camp is that he is facing a kind of awkward and unusual decision and that is that the idea of winning a Premier League title uh, and playing in England as a, compared to going to uh, Ligue 1 with PSG and taking part in that project funded by Qatar obviously and with the ultimate uh, goal of achieving Champions League success is also something which um, he's considering. But Messi himself is still ferociously ambitious. Um, 
what's happened in the last five to six days um, has come as a shock to him personally because he did believe that his future had been decided and that Barcelona were in a position where they could register him. Um, however, uh, Duncan, uh, Memphis Depay and Sergio Aguero have yet to be registered with La Liga for the same reasons that they have not managed to register um, Leo Messi uh, as a player for next season. And that's because of the financial fair play uh, regulations and what Barcelona called financial obstacles um, with regards to where they are right now. Barcelona is a financial uh, cesspit right now. Uh, Graham Hunter explained all this to our listeners in great detail and with great accuracy uh, already earlier this week on the pod. And it's something of, uh, I don't know, it's, it's a shame that this is where it's got to, where uh, Messi's uh, a, a promise, if you like, and um, to, to, to that he could end his career at the club where he started his career cannot be honoured um, and that he must now be sacrificed. Yeah, look, you can say it's a shame that it's ended this way, but I, I think... Lionel Messi and Jorge Messi contributed to this ending. Uh, we, we do have to remember that they, this is a, a, a partnership that repeatedly went back to Barcelona to get higher wages time and time again. And they ended up with that contract, uh, the first contract ever where a, a, a player had a basic wage of over a million pounds a week um, with a massive signing on bonus, a massive um, end of contract bonus. In fact, Messi still owed money on that deal because Barcelona ran out of the ability to pay him. They have a ton of other players that they've been trying to shift and they've been trying to shift these players to make space to add Messi's reduced contract onto the wage bill. And Laporta went about this, talked about this in, in quite a lot of detail. He said, at present, without adding Messi in, they are at 110% of their income uh, their projected income for the season that they're spending on salary. That's without adding Messi in and without adding in the senior players that they've signed for the coming season. So Sergio Aguero, Memphis Depay, Eric Garcia and Emerson have all been signed, all agreed deals. None of them are registered for the team and none of their wages have been added to that wage bill that's already 110% of um, the club's revenue and I think from that you get a sense of why Laporta decided there was no resolution he said that they asked La Liga to be more flexible um, and to, to basically make an exception for Messi as he's one of the most important players the most important player from a commercial perspective in the league from an entertainment perspective um, but said that, that this is no excuse. We knew the rules and what we have been left with from the last board makes it all impossible. They've been trying to shift players out. They barely managed to get any significant deals done. Probably the most significant are Trincoun to Wolves on loan and uh, Junior Firpo, who, who they sold to Leeds for, for 15 million euros. They've got guys like Philippe Coutinho and Neto, who Kia Jirabshin is trying to, to move elsewhere uh, at present 
Um, Neto, some of you probably might not even know what position he plays in. He's the reserve goalkeeper at Barcelona. He's been offered to Tottenham and Arsenal by Jurabshin as a signing for this season. As the reserve goalkeeper, he's on a salary of four and a half million euros net. Um, they've got Samuel and Titi, who I'm told they're thinking uh, they've, they've made such efforts to try and get him off the books and, and move him to another club. And he's been resistant. They're now, I'm told, thinking of exercising a clause in Spanish employment law, which allows the termination of any contract with the payment of two months salary, um, which would be unprecedented for a club of Barcelona's stat status to just tear up a contract and, and pay a player two months wages and and there was a kind of glancing reference to this in Laporta's press conference and he said we, we explored legal ways of reducing the wage bill but there was no guarantee that these would be successful they have Coutinho on 12 million net, Sergi Roberto and Jordi Alba around 10 million net and Usman Dembele at 6.5 million net, all of them they're trying to shift off the wage bill um, they they still, as Laporta has indicated, have massive problems to solve, even though they've let their best player go for nothing. Um, ramifications for the rest of the market? Well, you have Real Madrid also involved in this fight with La Liga over the CVC deal, uh, issuing a, a very aggressive statement, at almost simultaneous to... Barcelona's first statement about Messi saying that the, the CVC deal had been negotiated without their detailed knowledge and um, they objected to the way La Liga had handed over 10% of television rights for Spanish football to this venture capital company for 50 years when the, the agreement they had with La Liga was that Real Madrid's rights, Barcelona's rights could be entered into a collective agreement for three years. You've got the background of the Super League going on and the president of, of La Liga, Javier Tabas, basically involved in civil war with the presidents of, of Barcelona and Madrid. Then you have the context of Madrid trying everything to get Kylian Mbappe in as their key signing for the summer. And, and I think here... Messi's availability becomes interesting because if PSG are the club who convince Messi to come and uh, and say to him, look, we can offer you the best opportunity to win the Champions League and we can give you a relatively calm domestic competition to compete in, uh, you'll probably win the league title with us and you can prepare yourself for the World Cup and, and probably your last chance to win the most important international trophy um, with your national team. If PSG do go down that line, then you have to say that that has to be encouraging for Madrid in the perspective of can they get PSG to accept an offer for Kylian Mbappe this summer? They can provide the cash from a transfer fee to cover a good chunk of that 75 million euros um, salary. That, uh, that PSG are offering to Messi um, to, to move to them this summer? It's a very complex um, situation. And as I said, the touch paper has been lit by the news that Messi will be available 
for free. And that certainly will um, catalyze moves in other directions. Um, we've already had some, uh, Duncan. Uh, you mentioned Mbappe and Madrid. And of course, Florentino Perez's long-term ambition to sign the France international striker. But um, Man City have been active, and it's almost gone under the radar, actually, with the Messi news, in signing um, a world uh, record uh, fee for an English player, club to club, from Aston Villa in Jack Grealish. Um, I think it came as a surprise to some people that Grealish actually had um, a uh, get-out clause in the new contract he signed last year of £100 million. Uh, Christian Perslow, the chief executive of Villa, was, I think, very uh, articulate in the way that he explained um, the mechanics of Grealish's move to City. And, of course, we have to assume that um, even if uh, City knew that Messi was about to become available uh, and under no fee as well, that they had already been a decision that Grealish, someone who they could develop themselves and, of course, make progress with regards to their challenge uh, next season. Um, we know that Guardiola regrets the fact that when they won the league the season before last, that they didn't strengthen from the position of strength and that he made that point very, very forcibly to Jiki Begeristan and uh, in doing so said, we th these are the positions we need to uh, get players in. Harry Kane clearly uh, remains an ongoing project but it is our information at the Transfer Window podcast that Kane has effectively agreed personal terms with City uh, and his representatives and that they are simply waiting on Daniel Levy to agree the fee. And of course, Spurs themselves, Duncan, are uh, investing um, quite um, aggressively in new players as well which kind of suggests that they know um, already that Kane will be leaving uh, and they're effectively strengthening their squad on the basis of the money coming in. Again, uh, as we said, this is the, uh, this is the catalyst um, in terms of uh, transfers around Europe this summer in a window where we... Kind of, if you'd asked us six months ago, um, because of the COVID environment and the financial losses, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, we might not have expected there to be such huge moves. I think you're seeing the clubs who have the wherewithal to take advantage of the market taking advantage of the market. Paris Saint Germain have done some very aggressive deals, albeit not yet with um, with huge transfer fees for the majority of those players. One very big fee paid to Internazionale. You have Chelsea um, offering 100 million euros uh, plus for strikers, um, trying to get Erling Haaland, now shifting their attention because of Dortmund's resistance to Romelu Lukaku. Um, we know where the money comes from for Chelsea. You have Manchester City. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned Christian Perslow's video 
address um, as to why Jack Grealish had gone. Um, you'll notice that Manchester City did not announce the transfer fee uh, upon what was a club record transfer and obviously the most expensive transfer ever conducted by a Premier League club um, into uh, their squad. But Christian Burslow, um made it very public very quickly talking about the £100 million release clause that had been inserted into Grealish's contract uh, that they signed last summer uh, on the basis that if a Champions League club wanted to sign him and Aston Villa were not in the Champions League uh, for that coming season, then they would be uh, committed to allowing him to leave if £100 million was paid and setting that as a record price for a British footballer and a record fee for any player bought by a, a Premier League club. He also went into detail on their strategy of how to replace the player and that the something we talked about in the podcast um, in June, I think, that they didn't feel they could replace for like, like for like. So they wanted to bring in two and, and uh, as... Uh, Perslow put it three players to cover for the key attributes that Grealish had, creativity, assists and goal scoring. Um, and they went and... Don't forget winning fouls, Duncan. It, funnily enough, Christian didn't mention that in the in his video commentary, but uh, <laughs> you can tell me which of Emilio Buendia, Leon Bailey and Danny Ings is best at diving as you're a, 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 a practice my, observer my of new, this area. My, yes, my, my new... Yes, my new... Uh, hobby horse <laughs> <laughs> as we would say um, well you know we know that Pep loves a bit of uh, tactical fouling so you know it'll be interesting to see what Jack Grealish does it say <laughs> yeah but look I think it's go back two years to when Caldun Al Mubarak was defending Manchester City spending when they were under a UFO investigation and boasting about not buying the most expensive player in the Premier League and that they didn't buy the most expensive goalkeeper and they didn't buy the most expensive defender didn't buy the most expensive midfielder didn't buy the most expensive striker when actually they had bought the most expensive in, in most of those areas at some point when they were where they were doing those deals it was just at that, that particular time they didn't have them now they do have them and not only have they done Grealish this summer they're trying to do an even more expensive deal and if Daniel Levy has his way it will be significantly more expensive for the best striker in the division um, so I think you see there a club seeing a market opportunity to achieve what they've wanted to achieve since Abu Dhabi bought the club, which is to win the Champions League. They've already made themselves the dominant force in, in English football. They want to cement that by taking the two two of the best players in the English game. And um, and the fee, in a sense, they're not making pretense over we can't pay £100 million for for a single player anymore. They've done it. Uh, and they're trying to follow up with Kane. Um interesting that you think that Tottenham know they're taking the money um, certainly Harry Kane's actions and refusing to attend training suggest that he is not 100% confident that the deal will go through um, if he knew that Tottenham were going to sell him then they wouldn't. he wouldn't need to go through this unpopular protest of not turning up for club training. Um, certainly the brief from people close to Kane is 
that Levy is insistent that he won't sell the player. Now that might be a tactical brief because um, they they don't want to they don't want it coming out from their camp that they expect this transfer to go through. Um, I think uh, the the analysis for Tottenham Hotspur for Daniel Levy at the moment is if City are offering and they've already offered 100 million if City are going to raise that offer for a player who turns 29 in a year's time um, and has three years of contract left at present so it would be down to two years how good a season is he going to have after two extremely intense Covid season and then a English European Championship campaign where he where he captained the team he barely had a break apart from injury and force ones during that period how well does he play this season and and how much does his value drop after another season is this the time to take to cash in and take the money for Kane or do you risk waiting one more year in the expectation that you can get as good a performance from him again from a player who obviously and clearly wants to leave and wants to move to a club where he won't be playing Europa Conference League but will be expecting to reach the Champions League final and certainly expecting to win the first major trophy of his of his personal career. Europa Conference League sounds like something that happens in a budget hotel on the M6 um, and I'm pretty sure that's not what Harry Kane is uh, aiming for in the rest of his career. Um, Berbatov, Modric, two examples of players who Daniel Levy said exactly the same of as he has of Harry Kane. They're not for sale. They will not be leaving. And they left, usually on the last day of the transfer window. And as uh, we said in the pod uh, previously, um, Kane's representatives and Kane himself is confident that this move will happen and that he will be a Manchester City player for next season. And Spurs, to be fair, Duncan, have been investing like drunken yuppies in uh, a market which uh, we didn't expect them to be uh, necessarily very active, but they have um, been certainly spending in the right areas. Uh, it's also the case that um, we know their debts are substantial with regards to stadium repayments and loans, etc. And Kane is very much a saleable asset with regards to um, his current value, but a value that certainly is more likely to decrease than increase over the next 12 months. I can't see any other outcome than that he joins Manchester City in the next three weeks uh, and that that deal will be done and um, that the Spurs, I think, will reinvest uh, and, and, and bring in a striker uh, to try and replace Kane. But so far, um, they have done some good business. Uh, Lamella's moved uh, as part of the Brian Hill transfer and we know that they also have replaced Toby Alderweireld as well. Um, 
you know, this this is really the 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 um, practical part of football in terms of you know what you do uh, because one of your players wants to leave or two in this case, and you reinvest the money to a degree, but also manage to uh, in some way uh, take your debts down a little bit because you can afford the repayments. Yeah, and, and Tottenham have been there before with Gareth Bale. Um, it's interesting that, that one of the players that Fabio Paratici, the, the new uh, director uh, of football, although they give him a, a different title, managing director of football, I think is what they decided to call him, likes uh, is Dusan Vlaovic at, at Fiorentina. Um, obviously someone he knows well from Serie A, uh, 21 years of age, so you're um, bringing the age of your main striker down considerably, 21 goals in 37 Serie A games last season. Um Someone who's been flagged up to me as as absolutely a top talent um, from a statistical perspective in the European game. Uh, someone who, who who is expected to improve still further going forward. Is he a similar style, Duncan, to Kane? He is, um, but uh, the problem they have here and, and, and an interesting element is that Inter also like Vlaovic and have identified him as a replacement for Romelu Lukaku, who they're actively trying to sell. Um, and uh, have, I'm told, now persuaded a player who was resistant to leaving to Italy, was happy in Italy and happy with his achievements there. Um, but the, the, the kind of force from Inter that they would accept a 100 million euro deal um, for Lukaku to help with their financial concerns, coupled with persuasion from Lukaku's representative and the project that Chelsea are selling him, which is come and be the the central striker in a team that's won the Champions League and intends to take the Premier League title off Manchester City and is, is going to reinforce in other areas and is one of the few teams we've just been talking about this that has the wherewithal to take advantage of, of the market conditions and, and push themselves higher um, that would be a, a significant profit on what uh, Inter paid Manchester United for Lukaku um, a couple of seasons ago uh, they, they booked that sale at 74 million 162,000 euros Um there would be a solidarity payment due to training clubs, which include Chelsea. So Chelsea would get some of the money they paid to enter back from <laughs> the deal. Chelsea get paid, paid for buying the player that they sold. <laughs> yes, a player they developed and, and sold uh, at substantially more money. And um, look, that Chelsea are going for Lukaku as an alternative to Erling Haaland in, from a... In some ways, from a football perspective, makes sense in, in terms of the type of player. But you're you're buying someone, um, you know, seven years older than Haaland. You're not buying the future there. You're buying finished article who knows how to score, which again underlines the I think the intensity of of the ambition from Abramovich and Chelsea to perform now. Um, it's not 
simply about building a long-term team. It's we want to be back to the top of the Premier League now and we're prepared to to push out a massive transfer fee for a player who we are unlikely to be able to sell, even if we want to, for that money um, again down the line. A segue worthy of any particular podcast, but certainly of the Transfer Window podcast, Duncan, in terms of leading us into a conversation about Romelu Lukaku and Chelsea. Um, It is uh, our information, uh, which we have from our sources at Chelsea, but also uh, sources close to Romelu Lukaku, that he has told uh, Inter that he wishes to leave. One of the reasons for that is because the financial uncertainty at the uh, Italian club is such that he believes that making the move now would be uh, in his best interests uh, and also because uh, obviously Inter uh, would look to um, capitalise on his value. It's a strange one, Duncan, in terms of the fact that Chelsea bought Lukaku uh, at a very early age. Uh, He went on loan deals where he did uh, do well, but never really got um, a chance at Stamford Bridge. Um, And then went to Everton and Manchester United before going to Inter Milan. And now could make a return to Chelsea. Now, Thomas Tuchel, uh, I am told is desperate to have a front man who can play with his back to goal, who can hold play up, who can play in the channels and who can play one-on-one. Um, he doesn't feel he has that right now. Tammy Abraham obviously is being touted to other clubs with regards to a sale or loan deal. One of the um, interesting factors with regards to the Lukaku um, interest from Chelsea is the offer of Marcus Alonso as part of the deal uh, in order to reduce the actual financial, uh, and by that I mean the monetary status of the transfer. Alonso himself is not keen to go to Inter Milan. Uh, He would, it seems, rather stay at Chelsea or indeed move to Spain. Um, in La Liga rather than make a move back to Serie A Uh, it's something which has perturbed uh, Chelsea as such um, who have since offered uh, at least six players as transfer options to uh, Inter um, in terms of trying to, as I said, bring down the cost of Lukaku's transfer back to Stamford Bridge. Um, it seems a bit weird, Duncan, that uh, Alonso is someone who has been in and out of the team under uh, Big Tam Tuchel. Um, but he appears to think that he's got options elsewhere rather than um, necessarily moving back to Serie A. I think I think the element here is that you're you're trying to force a player into a deal um, where 
it's not necessarily the best option for him. Um, Alonso's 30 years of age, turns 31 in December. Um, this is probably his last chance to get a significant contract um, to to wrap up his, his professional career. Um, obviously, if you're being used as a make weight in a deal, you're and being used in a deal to a club which is trying to let go of its um, top scoring striker in order to save cash and that that's the only reason Inter are involved in this transaction at all. You're unlikely to to have the best negotiating stance and, and then, then it becomes uh, more pro- problematic um, to complete that kind of um, part exchange transfer. It does indeed and um, speaking of which um, Southampton a club who often um, make an appearance on here, the Transfer Window podcast, with their business and negotiations. They have a, an outstanding debt with regards to um, what they have borrowed uh, in order to keep the club in uh, some kind of state. Uh, the sale of Danny Ings. Uh, may have come as a surprise to some people, but the fact of the matter is he was running out of contract and there was a lot of interest. Southampton fans not very uh, pleased uh, given his performance last season where he was uh, in the top five uh, highest scorers in the division. Um, However, maybe even worse news um, potentially for Southampton is that James Ward-Prowse uh, who is uh, again one of their most important players um, is a subject of interest uh, to several clubs Aston Villa being one of them um, and they have to take this seriously in terms of the potential to sell because the repayments that they owe on interest on the loans that they have taken out um, mean that they have to meet certain financial aspects. Duncan, Southampton to us have always been a very well run club, you know, in the last six, seven years. But it seems to me in the last two years, they've definitely declined in terms of their ability to make uh, money because obviously they used to be uh, the joke was that they were um, Liverpool's feeder club. Yeah, uh, look, I, I think um, what you look at there is the change of ownership. Um, there's been problems pretty much throughout that ownership um, transfer. Uh, we've reported a long time ago that the club was was put up for sale um, and. Uh, a failure to achieve that uh, resulted in them taking those substantial loans you referred to last summer in, in order to to make uh, wage payments at, at the end of last season. Um, loans of over ten percent interest upon them. Uh, they've been detailed in the club's accounts. If you if you want to look at those, I think where they got into trouble was they started buying badly. They they had been producing talent from their academy um, for I, I suppose the best part of a decade that was going on and um, being bought at reasonable prices and, and progressing through not just the Premier League but um, foreign divisions as well um, and they had bought 
well from other clubs and, and seen some of those players, Virgil van Dijk being the most obvious example, purchased for, for huge transfer fees. So they, they earned a reputation as being skilled practitioners in the market. And I think they've lost that reputation by spending quite significant sums on a number of players who have not improved their team and uh, and they've not been able to to sell on and they've been left um, with big wages on their books that some of which are subsidizing by loaning players out to other clubs and then you get into a position where you have someone like Ward Prowse who's the outstanding player on their team um, fundamental to chance creation um, who they have secured to a long-term contract until 2025 but is obviously I think the most valuable player left on their books uh, and then you have interest from other clubs to sign him within the Premier League for obvious reasons and then you have a decision to make um, do we need to sell our star player um, because we can't move on the the the, um, the the talents the lesser talents that aren't performing for us and we'd like to get off our wage bill um, it's, it's not a good position to be in um, just a, a final bit of information and on the market at present is that um, Roma are looking at a the possibility of taking Andre Anguissa from Fulham um, as an alternative to Granite Jacka. One of the numerous positions that Mourinho has prioritised for reinforcement um, this summer um, and they're now exploring whether it would be possible to take Anguissa from Fulham who has two years left of contract there plus a, a club option for another year. Um, I think it might be attractive to the player. I'm not sure it's going to be as attractive to his current employer. We will, of course, update you on Anguissa and everything else that we've spoken today in the Transfer Window podcast. If you want to engage, and please do, as we always like to hear your views, please do so at Transfer Podcast on our social media platforms, Instagram, and Facebook and Twitter. Duncan is at Duncan Castles. I'm at Garbo SJ. You can find us on uh, YouTube as well if you want to listen there. And until next week when we will be back with all, of course, the latest transfer news, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.